Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber. And today, joining us is a certified financial professional and partner at Co-Advisors, Kevin Komar. Thank you for joining me, Kevin. Thank you for having me. So this will be great. Uh, You have a fantastic story that starts um, where many people, in my opinion, should be starting, which is at an early age. I can't wait for our audience to hear and understand your journey as you got into this profession and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, it really goes back a long time. Um, My family has been instrumental in where I'm at today. But um, growing up, I had the, uh, I guess, the luxury of having grandparents that were very generous and parents that are very knowledgeable. But remember for Christmas in the early 90s, my grandparents would give us a gift of money at Christmas time. And it was kind of the thing. It was uh, bittersweet as a kid. Sometimes you'd see a check, but it's like it was known that this isn't going to be blown on toys. It was meant to save for us for the future. So, I mean, college plans didn't exist back then, but it was kind of the idea that many grandparents that we we stress with our clients now. It's like, if you want to save, you know, this is the way to do it. But the, my grandparents would do that. And then uh, I just remember my, my dad uh, having a stockbroker and, you know, one of the first things that we did was he bought us two stocks and taught me how to look it up in the newspaper. Um, And then being in middle school, um, right around when Yahoo was coming out. uh, Yeah. I'm of the age where, you know, it's like, I was on, was the right time, right place is like, uh, you know, all of that stuff was just natural to me. I, so I remember creating a My Yahoo page and putting in the stocks that we had. And instead of looking them up on, you know, in the next day in the newspaper, but one day I saw that the one stock had skyrocketed and I, I thought maybe I did something wrong, but I called and Sure enough, it did. And, uh, you know, it was just, a, it was a great experience just to get started investing like that. But at the same time, my dad was, uh, you know, very knowledgeable in the industry, but, you know, that was probably about 1996. Two years later, the Roth IRAs were invented and my dad has a um, tax practice and he's had it since the seventies. He knew right away, you know, he was referring all this, like, this is the greatest thing ever. You got to do this. You got to do this. And it took him about a, a you know another year after that in uh, the early 2000s is when he got licensed and then i was entering high school and i started working for him our high school had a program that was called cooperative business education so you're supposed to get jobs in the workforce but i ended up being able to work with him and i had a lot of uh first hand knowledge i guess uh, and a lot more responsibility working for your parent than just being an 18 year old working somewhere else, but I got to see everything firsthand, see clients coming in through the door, kind of see him work. It's very fun to, you know, being a, in high school and seeing your parents work. Um, and you, you know, you, you have the relationship with them at home and you know how they are as a parent, but you never see them in their professional life, I guess, or most people don't get the chance to do that, but it was fun. It was, it was fun seeing people come through the doors and listen to my dad and ask them and just, you know, just kind of surrender, like, we're, tell us what to do. And, you know, that kind of shaped where I know I wanted to be uh, eventually. But um, my, I have a older sister as well that was uh, two years ahead of me, got her, got her uh, degree in finance and is in 
in the industry as well. And uh, I kind of followed suit. And at very uh, my very first job, the, my dad, uh, he gave up his, uh, he was independent. My sister was at a insurance broker dealer, actually where she's at today. And he gave up his independence through the broker dealer so that I could work with him and my sister uh, together. And that's, that's where I got the start there. And it, it was great um, for a couple of years and I learned a lot. Uh, but eventually I just knew that um, we're too much of the like that we like having our own, our own little uh, office and not working in a kind of a corporate atmosphere. So we eventually went off on our own and uh, just started growing the business. But it's, yeah, my, my dad has been instrumental in that kind of shaping my career. And one of the things I kind of laugh and uh, looking back at this is that looked at some of the dates that we got started. I, I passed my licensing in 2008. He was uh, in 2000. And if you look at those dates and actually just look at the next six months, six months after I got into the business, the market was down 37%. Six months after my dad, from the time he got into the business, the market was down 20%. And it's just one of those things that, you know, it's such a high turnover industry and such any business is very hard to get started, but you throw that wrinkle in there and it's, I guess, a testament to the trust and relationships that he built with his clients that he was able to overcome such a bad entry point. And same thing with me. It's like, you know, if I didn't have family in the industry or the support system, I may have been washed out because of just, I remember making calls in 2008 to people and saying, it's like, yeah, right. I'd rather put my money in the, you know, the coffee can in the backyard than put it in the market now. And it's like, there's so, so much fear and a lot of people that I started with that didn't make it more than two months. And, it, you know, it's, it's a shame sometimes because there's a lot of good advisors that didn't have the support system that I had that may be on to second careers now. So long-winded answer of saying how I got into it, but uh, definitely family helped shape where I'm at uh, early on and helped me start and make sure that my career was successful. I like to think, so I too started in one of those eras, um, challenging for our business, 1987, mm -hmm. actually about 30 days before the world back then had a significant shift. Yeah. And I guess those of us that are passionate about it, or other people might call us crazy, uh, end up persevering and determining through those types of periods of time how much we love this industry and yeah. maybe recognize what it's really all about instead of just riding the highs, right? Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. So um, you use the term stockbroker earlier in mm -hmm. your definition. I don't hear that very often any longer. So Talk to me about what it means to go from uh, an environment where even at a young age you were, you know, you were in, you're still old enough that that term was still being used quite a bit back then. Mm -hmm. And then for what, two or three years ago, you made the leap and decided to, to get your CFP. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's funny too, is that so many times clients or prospects may think that's still what we do. And maybe like see the movie Wall Street or something like that, like, they think that we're, you know, buying and selling all that, but it's like, no, that's, that's not it at all. And working with my dad, uh, in our business and having, you know, uh, 
I always laugh because, you know, he's got people that he's been seeing for 40 years in a row every single year. And one of the things about an aging business and an aging client base is that you see terrible things sometimes too. It's, uh, you know, when you're in the habit of reading the obituaries to see what clients may have passed away, there's time in and time again that you see someone that inherits a mess. And that's one of the things that as early in my career, and as I was seeing people year in and year out, and it's like my aunt died or my mom didn't just things weren't set up the right way. And that was, you know, losing somebody's hard enough, but losing somebody and then dealing with a financial nightmare that you don't really have the resources, even when you're thinking clearly to, to handle. It's just, it's just something that was very easy for me to say, I would love to be able to help people to avoid these situations. And so that was the um, knowing that, um, you know, I, I lost my, my last two grandparents within the last five years, but my grandparents were very thoughtful. And I remember just, you know, they, one of them had a, uh, a trust and, you know, be, I remember being in the lawyer's office with my dad and my sister, and we had the whole thing ready to go. It was like, check, 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 because of the hard work that my grandparents did to prepare for that moment. And it was just like the light bulb went off and it was just like, that, that's, that's amazing that they had the foresight to do this. But that's what made me want to make sure that I help my clients do the same things. And it's just like, it doesn't all have to get done right away, but you know, it's a, it's a process and you can point out just small things along the way to help people that, you know, Hey, this is something you need to look at type thing. So yeah, I, um, I knew that uh, getting the CFP designation was something I wanted to do um, because that and I guess the gray hairs on the side, uh, it's it's amazing how much more um, serious people take you when you have those two combination, I guess. So it's definitely been helpful uh, with the response rate of clients as well. So Yeah, I, I've also been there, right? So starting in this business when I was 18, I went through probably some of the similar things that you do in terms of age and and uh, lack of credibility when you look a certain way or you look as, as young as you might at the beginning. And so I can just tell you, you're you're just starting probably at the beginning to realize that you spend like maybe the first 12 years of your career in this industry wishing you had gray hair and wrinkles. And mm-hmm. then suddenly when the gray hair and wrinkles shows up, now you want to go back and you want to look yeah. like you did when you first got started. You, you're willing to take that. When I first met my wife and I, well, I started going uh, gray, She's like, you need to dye that hair. You need to dye the hair. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Exactly. Well, it's great. That's a great segue to let's talk about your clients. I know that we've been discussing in general, maybe the average age of your client, especially because mm-hmm. you're working with um, and have been working with your dad for so long, might be an aging population in some ways. But talk about acquiring and retaining clients and how or are you, and if so, how are you, how do you change things if you want to attract, say, a millennial or even younger? Are you doing generational planning with families? How are you, how are you approaching that? Yeah, so the, uh, finding new clients and working with clients is we do tax preparation for years. So that's that's how my dad's business started. That's how I came into it. But it's very easy from our end as, 
you know, we don't have to do cold calling. We don't have to do seminars that we have clients coming in to see us year after year after year. Um, and we have, you know, they plop down their entire financial future in front of us and we go through it. And so our approach has always been to just kind of, you know, like I said, with the CFP thing is like, here's some things that you could be doing better, or here's, here's an area that, you know, and just knowing that we don't have to do a hard sell on somebody and that they'll talk to us when they're ready uh, or when they're able to. So that's been, that's been great for us. So the, as far as attracting millennials and things, it, the approach I like to take for working with younger people, and it's so unique too, because that's why my dad and I, I think work so well together is that, you know, you get my dad who's a grandparent and has been through the process and you get me who I've, uh, I've got three kids, six years old, five years old, and going to be three. So working with the younger generation, um, I can just say, Hey, here's, here's what I did. Yeah. You know, it's not, it may not be the right way, uh, that for you. Um, but here's, here's what I did for my kids and here's how I structured things and here's why. Uh, so to me, I think that's powerful because, you know, it's a, you know, eat your own cooking type thing. And, and if somebody, you know, I'm, I'm kind of aggressive in the standpoint that I want to save for my kids because I, you know, looking back through things, I, I feel privileged in the fact that my parents had it better than their parents and that my brothers and my sister and I had it better than my parents. And I want to make sure that, you know, my goal as a parent, and I think it's, you know, imperative that it's like, I pass that along. It's like, there's generations of hard work that, you know, we're not, we're not in the 1%, but it's like, we're also doing pretty good. So it's like, I, I know my job as a parent and not even just a financial planner is just to make sure that I'm taking care of setting them up in their future. But I'm a little bit more maybe aggressive in doing that because I'm, I'm passionate about that. So as I'm working with my clients, you know, here's what I did and why, but here's other avenues that you can be doing as well, just to, at least to get your, get started. So, and, you know, as far as retaining clients go, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the, the luxury of being able and having the, the tax business is that it's a built-in reason that they have to come see us or that they need to come see us. And if you were my client and I've seen you for 10 years, it's, I've already got the template down and it's more of like, how have you been doing? What's new? And you, you know, it, there's not a whole lot of hard work that goes into doing a tax return year after year, but it's such an eye opener. And you'll tell me about your kids and your job change or stuff like that. That makes my job as a financial planner so much easier. So when I sit down and meet with a prospect, I guess, for the first time, I don't have to do fact finding or, you know, the standard know your clients. Like I know them. Um, you know, I'm basically plugging in some I guess, numbers from accounts, but that, you know, they're updating, but uh, more or less figuring out then what do you want to do? What, what's your goal? What do you, you know, how it, it makes things a lot easier, especially that I don't need to get, get to know my clients. I already know them. It's just now I get to help them from the financial end of things. So that's been our approach for a long time and it, it's, it's worked and it's uh 
something that I will, uh, I'm looking at continuing to grow because, you know, with a young family uh, that's and a aging dad that, you know, we, we're to the point now it's a, it's kind of from the business end of things that if he's not here tomorrow, which he doesn't need to be, well, I'm not sure I can take on a double workload. So it's like, I need, you know, it's a, from my point of view, it's a, I need to keep growing the business to make sure that we're providing the best, uh, best resources for our clients too. So. Kevin, uh, do you have a support team surrounding you and your dad and, and um, yeah, talk um, about how that works? Uh, so Barbara, who's been uh, the face of our company for eight, nine years, I think is probably more liked than my dad and I by our clients. She is, I mean, we get so many compliments from her or about her from our clients, um, but she's just been with us. And sometimes people ask, is she part of the family? No, well, she is, but she's not blood related. But years ago, one of my clients was a, uh, still is a principal in high school. And I was just you know, catching up with him, telling him that I've had the hardest time finding, you know, good part-time help that when we need it. And he's been referring me honor students uh, year, every year for the last seven years. And one of the girls didn't have a um, plan for right after high school. So it was like, I, I can use you. Uh, so she's been with us now for three years. And it's just, it's nice knowing, you know, any small business owner will tell you, it's like, you know, trusting your employees is, is a huge ask and, but it's a, the biggest asset that you can have. So they definitely help run the business or run the business for us because I mean, without them, we wouldn't be where we're at today either. That's for sure. I think every small business that I talk to, uh, especially in our industry, but even in other industries, realize that that's a, um, to your point, that's an asset when you can build a team. Um, mm -hmm. you, you need a team often in every business to take it to the next level. Sometimes you have to hire before you can even afford to hire, right? And surround yourselves with talent. Well, and that's one of the other great things too, is that um, the OSJ group that I'm a part of, they, I can see they're, they're down in Cincinnati um, in Cleveland but every one of their employees, and it's not just, uh, you, you can tell that it's not just window dressing, like they love working for their company and they do such great things. It's like, it's such a great, um, I guess, partnership that I'm in, but I, I know my faults as a manager. It's like sometimes uh, when I come in and they're not working on stuff, it's like, well, it's because it's not because they're trying to cheat me out of time. It's because I didn't give them stuff to work on. So it's like, I reached out to my my manager uh, and I was like, look, I know you guys are doing such great things. They took my assistant down for two days and she got to, you know, she's, she's younger, but she had the time of her life going down there and learning what they're doing and sharing great ideas. Much like we do as advisors, we share our best practices, but building the culture that they have and making coming to work enjoyable uh, which is what they've done is something that I'm trying to do as well. And it's just, just great being able to surround yourself with like-minded individuals that are doing the right thing. So I've been fortunate enough. Cambridge has a lot of those resources too. You know, I can go right through you guys. I can go through my OSGA group, but you know, there's just so many great opportunities and resources to run a good business. And, you know, there's 
there's a lot of bad businesses out there and a lot of people that hate their jobs. And it's like, I don't want to be that boss that I have employees hating their jobs. Absolutely. It's good that you're taking advantage of the resources. And in part, you're talking about recognizing uh, your own strengths, what you love to do, what you're good at, and then outsourcing to someone, whether that be your OSJ or Cambridge, um, to try to fill in the gaps. And that's mm-hmm. that's the way to run a successful business. You're on the right track, I think. Yeah. So uh, shifting gears a bit, tell me or tell our listeners, more importantly, what's the best professional or personal advice or one of each, if you have an example, um, that someone's given you? Um, I would say personal advice the was what I was early on was pay yourself first. That was the that was the mantra from my grandpa. And it's like, I always thought it was a word of wisdom that came from my grandpa that didn't realize it was so, yeah. I thought maybe he came up with it until I learned later on that, yeah, it's a, it's a thing, but yeah, I mean, it just, once I got that instilled uh, in my own life and just setting up the accounts and the money and how it needs to be, you know, structured so that I can pay myself, save, save for my future, save for rainy day, then I don't feel guilty about spending money. You know, it's like anything that's left over, you can spend guilt-free and, you know, you don't have that stress or guilt sometimes about spending because a lot of our, a lot of our job is, you know, it's teaching people how to save and invest, but not a whole lot of gets focused on spending too, which I think is huge. So that, that is something that uh, definitely on the personal side was, you know, pay yourself first and just, just get things going the right way. That's the hardest, the hardest step. After that, I think it becomes easier. Um, from the professional side of things, uh, back to the OSJ group is one of the things that always makes me smile is like, you know, have your process. Uh, you know, you, every day can't be a fire drill. You, you can't just show up and, you know, if somebody calls needing something, it's like, you can't just be running around like you've never done, like you need to have a process and, you know, that everything's repeatable. You know, it's a lot of what we do. There's is the same for clients with subtle changes, but it's like, you need to do it over and over again. And it's just like anything. It's a uh, growing up playing sports. Like you don't get good at something by accident. You get good at by practicing it and doing it the right way. So just, um, you know, just the, I, I laugh just thinking it's like the, the fire drill comment was, it, it was a good analogy for me because it's like, you think about people and how panicked they get when that goes up. It's like, no, this isn't new to me. This is something that I do all the time and I can help you with it. So, and it's like when you, when you're able to the, have the confidence uh, of dealing with a client that has experiencing the hardest financial decision in their life and just look at them like, yeah, I, this is no sweat. I've done this. So, you know, it's like, and here, here's, this, this, and this, this that we need to do. Um, it's just giving giving somebody the confidence that they made the right decision to ask you the question or spend their time coming to you and talked about it is it's it's important. So, absolutely, being that calming force, right, when mm-hmm. they're in that kind of a situation. So, um, it's it's great. That was great advice. You've got a long career left in this industry. And I know a couple of years ago, you decided to throw your hat in the ring at Cambridge to help us get better as a part of our new Century Council. What drove you to do that? Um, you know, so I've always 
been the early adopter of technology and there's um, just a lot of different ways that I always think about how what we're doing could be better for just advisors or from the clients and the things. And there's a lot of things that are just stuck in the past too. So, I, you know, when I remember making the joke in 2008, when I first got in there, that was like, why are we still faxing documents places? And flash forward, still places are taking fax machines. So it's, uh, it's one of those things as like, yeah, if I can, give input on something I think that I have knowledge about and how I can make things easier or shape where things are going, then I definitely want to be a part of that. So, um, and it's fun, I guess, from, you know, being a part of Cambridge and I, you know, I run my own business. uh, So I get to make every decision of what goes where and what's in the office and you know, people laugh because my name's above my dad's on the uh, on the door up front when you walk into our office, and they're like, "Well, how'd that happen?" It's like, well, I designed it, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that that it's it's easy, but when you're a part of a a larger organization, it, sometimes you it's like, "All right, well, here's the menu you can choose from, and no substitutions." It's nice to be able to have the, I guess, the voice and saying, "It's like, well, here here's some, here's some ideas that I think where we should be able to go." So. It's it's been fun, and it'll be interesting to see how how fast I get aged out of it too. Because the, the you know, I'm 38, but there's there's probably a younger generation coming up that's going to have better ideas here soon. So you know, uh, 12 years ago when we started that council, the part of the criteria was that you had to be in your mid 40s and under. Um, and then I aged out, but they wouldn't let me leave. So eventually we had some of our financial professionals that were founding members that did also age out, but they still wanted to be a part of it. So now the criteria is just that you have to think innovative and entrepreneurial. You don't have to be any age. So there is no aging out. I don't care how gray your hair gets. As long as you want to keep uh, helping make us better, you're allowed. There you go. All right. So my favorite way to wrap this stuff up Um talk to us about what's most rewarding in your life. I bet the six-year-old, five-year-old, and three-year-old are going to come up, tell us their names if you'd like to, and uh, what you guys do from a hobby perspective and a family perspective. What do you do when you're outside of work? Uh, Outside of work, yeah. So married uh, in 2013, my wife, Lindsay, and I, we started our family pretty quickly. So um, 2014, I had my daughter, Cameron, she'll be seven uh, coming up in November. She just finished her first year of kindergarten and rocked it. Um, her younger sister, Kennedy, uh, will be starting kindergarten. And I, I laugh because that girl could be in, going into second grade. She's like, she stayed home this year. And my wife is awesome about teaching them at home. And it's like, I come home and the girl is, you know, doing all the same homework as her older sister. So, and then my youngest is my boy. Uh, his name is Baker, which uh, being in Cleveland, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, I'm a Browns fan and named him after our quarterback, but it's my wife's maiden name. And um, I came, I, I came from a small family. She's got probably 30 cousins on the Baker side and every one of their friends call them by their last name. So everybody went by that name anyway. So I remember just when we were throwing out names, trying to 
figure out what we we're going to name our, our son. And I just kind of joked like, Hey, we're thinking about drafting this guy named Baker. And I just saw the, like, she looked, she's like, I love that name. <laughs> and then as soon as I said it, and there was no going back. So, um, but yeah, we, uh, we love spending time together. Um, my, I guess my one vice is that I like to go out and play golf. Uh, so I live right next to a golf course. So I try to do that, but it's, uh, it's getting harder, but it's love to, uh, take the kids anywhere we go. We, we've always laughed saying that we'll go on a vacation. We love the vacation, but we're, my wife and I are not going anywhere without the kids. So we're, we're going to take them. Um, we're actually leaving here in a couple of weeks going to Myrtle beach. So, but we love to do that stuff. And, um, you know, outdoorsy for sure. We're kind of enjoying the calm before the storm because I've got a older brother and his kids are a little bit older and I know how busy everything gets carting them around from sporting event to sporting event. It's like right now they're not too involved in things. So we're just enjoying doing stuff together as a family. So, um, you know, whether it's just hanging out outside and, you know, jumping on a trampoline or going over grandparents' house swimming or doing whatever uh it's pretty much uh leave here from work and then go play with the kids i have two questions uh do any of them golf so my daughter my oldest is i was actually looking at uh taking her for the first time to a uh junior tournament she's never actually played but i've taken her on the course with me and she wants to 100 percent um she started kindergarten this year online and uh, that was in my office because I figured it was like, why not? Uh, not many clients coming in, but very first day of kindergarten when it was done, I told her I had a surprise and we went over and went to Top Golf afterwards. And the girls got a good swing. So it's a, I know my personality though. It's like, I'm trying my best not to be, um, you know, too excited and gun ho because I, I want her to like it and I don't want to be an overbearing parent like hey this is what you gotta do um but yeah she's uh she's got a good swing and my son uh who's three years old the kid picked up a bat earlier this summer left-handed and uh has been hitting wiffle balls with like a the best little swing i've seen and it's it's a lot of fun <laughs> that's the key let them do it on their own but when yeah. as soon as you see that they're enjoying something or they're good at it just keep supporting and fostering it, right? Yeah, for sure. So my second question is, uh, is the goal ultimately assuming that one of them pick up the passion for it? Of course, you wouldn't force a career on them either, but you want uh, one or more of them to come to work with you someday? I want all of them to come to work with me someday. So <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, it, it's fun. Um, I've had, they've come to, I've got several pictures of them. They love coming to my office. I try to make it fun for them. I've got a little TV in the office and, you know, they come and work, but their, uh, their work is coloring pictures and uh, drawing on my whiteboard. So they like it. Um, it's kind of fun listening to five and six year old, you know, ask you questions about what you do. And they're like, they know, you know, try to be a good parent and, you know, give them some general knowledge about money but the well dad how do you make money and it's like well people come in and ask me questions and like and then they pay you money and it's like well sort of yeah <laughs> so like, like well I want to do that so um but it's yeah it's one of those things that uh I think that 
the the experience they'll have growing up with me that uh, they'll it'll be so built into them that I want to push them uh, almost away for from it for first let them experience as much stuff as they can and knowing that dad's always going to have a job for him so sounds a little bit like what your dad did for you so um mm-hmm. the way i think about it as i listen to you is he brought you in early and showed you his superpowers which are helping people meet their financial goals for their future and you're starting your kids out at a young age so they can see you sitting at your desk utilizing mm-hmm. those same superpowers to make a difference so congratulations yeah. well thank you yeah real quick uh one of my first conferences at at uh cambridge was in denver and i had both of my girls uh they came out and i was walking with them hand in hand through the expo hall the one night and they were wearing they're 17 months apart but everybody asked if they're twins but we're walking and it's like the expo hall is perfect because there's every little table's got all the little tchotchkes and that's like heaven for they were probably three and four at the time but i remember um they they walked right by you and you smile. And then they said, said something. It's like, I just looked at my wife. I'm like, that's a CEO. <laughs> like, like this is why you smile. And it was just like, like, wow. I'm like, this is a uh, good, good having them here. So. Oh, that's great. I love doing my part to inspire young women to be all they can be. So um, mm. next time I see them, make sure we stop and have more of a conversation. I'd love to meet them. There you go. Great. Uh, well, uh, Kevin, thanks for joining us today. I know our audience is going to benefit greatly from hearing your story. And thank you for trusting Cambridge and being a part of our Cambridge family. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's been uh, it's been a great experience uh, so far. Third, third uh, broker dealer, but by far the uh, best. Hopefully the last. There you go. All right. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine, inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at cambridgestronger.com. That's cambridgestronger.com.